0: hello everybody and welcome to the spoiler warning podcast this is review number 696 with a review of the batman i'm christopher snazzy
1: and i'm steven miller
0: and if you're joining us for the first time the spoiler warning podcast is a weekly film review program each week in the show we're going to dive in debate discuss and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you
1: oh shit! <laughs> um,
0: this week uh you know we, we, we we're doing it again um a, another huge film came to theaters we ventured our way into the theaters to see it, and now we're going to talk about it. The latest The Batman film is here, and uh, I, were, were you excited to see it,
1: Stephen? I, when I realized it was about to come out, like a few days before, I was pretty excited. But leading up to it, I don't know, I hadn't read much about it, I hadn't really internalized any kind of expectation about the movie. And it felt like we had gotten Batman so recently because of Zack Snyder's Justice League happening. <laughs> um, so I didn't have a lot of excitement or negativity. I just was kind of like not feeling anything. And then maybe the day or two before when I realized like I'm about to see a three-hour Batman movie, I felt, <laughs> I felt a little tingle. My, yeah. uh, to cross um, different companies, my spidey senses were tingling that I would <laughs> enjoy it.
0: There, there might be other ways to cross uh, of the, those things. There, there's definitely something I want to reference when it comes to Spider-Man as well later on in this, mm-hmm. uh, this episode. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that this is, you know, I haven't really been paying attention to releases as much, obviously, with COVID and how that's changed my thea- theatrical watching uh, behaviors. But I definitely, as soon as I got the uh, email from Alamo that was like, this is available for purchase, I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to watch this. But <laughs> I bought that ticket instantly. and was like, okay. Definitely excited for this. I remember when they first announced they were doing another Batman film, I wasn't necessarily the most excited. Um, But uh, once that first trailer dropped, I was kind of like, all right, I'm fucking in for this movie. This looks fucking amazing. Um, And I was really excited to be returning to the theater um, to see this film on the big screen. Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say we're both huge fans of the uh, Nolan uh, Batman films. Um, Yeah. I assume that we both enjoyed the cartoon Batmans from back in the day.
1: <laughs> we did. Yeah, we oh. did. Though I was never really a WB kid, uh, so I only really watched it when I was at Friend's House. Okay. Uh, and by then, I think Batman... Uh, what, what was it called? Uh, it, it was like the hip, newer Batman where there was an older Bruce oh, Wayne. Uh, who Was, was, was kind it kind Batman of Beyond? Hip- Beyond? Yeah, Batman yeah. Beyond. Yeah, Batman Beyond was kind of my shit by the time I was at a friend's house and we were watching watching wb together but yeah the cartoons are rad <laughs> we also both controversially for a like film podcast for people who claim to love movies we both were quite high on joker uh, yep. which is not the common consensus but is a, a uniform consensus among spoiler warning hosts current and past so yeah, yeah, we've cultivated something together some kind of opinion that is unlike other people
0: <laughs> that's true and that, that- you know the joker another film that will be easily able to uh, weave its way into the conversation we're going to oh, have yeah. here tonight on this episode um but yeah I, I think we've had fun with the characters um i've i've definitely criticized uh the character of batman with regards to the Ju- justice league's films because it felt like he was ancillary and even though he was the one that was motivating the forming of the group and <laughs> pushing all the uh, uh we need to deal with superman stuff <laughs> he sort of seemed like the one person who didn't fit with the group. Uh, but I but I think yeah. in general, I, I've been a fan of the character of Batman. You know, I think neither of us have really gotten into comics at all over the histories of our lives. So we're not bringing that into this conversation. But we do have a fondness for the character when it's deployed correctly um, or in a, in a way that we jive with. So we're definitely going to talk here tonight if this time around the Batman did that for us. Um yeah. Excited to get into this, Steven? Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for The Batman, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. is a tool, but when that light hits the sky, it's not just a goal, it's a warning. so if this continues it won't be long before you've nothing less
1: i don't care what happens to me
0: it's only going to get worse for you
1: Go, oh, take it easy sweetheart hear everything they say ain't
0: you maybe we're not so different who are you under there chance So that was the trailer for the Batman. Um, in this story, uh, Batman's city of Gotham is being um, is having high powered people around the city killed by this man that is known as the Riddler. Um, at each of these murders, clues are left behind that specifically call out Batman, and he has to try to solve the clues that are being left by the Riddler and stop uh, whatever the hell's happening in his city. Stephen Miller, what did you think of the Batman?
1: Um, I thought this movie was pretty fantastic. (laughs) Uh, I was very (laughs) surprised and impressed with just how much I liked this movie. Um, Off the, like, immediately, I don't know that this is that much of a twist for the Batman franchise, so much as it is just doing it so goddamn well. It is kind of like the most of something, in a way that others haven't been. Like, you know, we referenced Joker before. There are tons of things that make this similar to Joker. Like, very specific things we'll get into in spoilers, but also the idea of, like, channeling in a very dark, gritty world, using, like, 70s imagery to make it feel like a kind of crime-addled New York City, um, really dealing in, like, the corruption and the, the malcontent of the, city, the citizens of Gotham turning the question of a hero kind of on its head a bit. It it is doing a lot of the things that was doing. It is also really following in Nolan's footsteps, I think. Like, this is the closest thing to The Dark Knight that I've seen in theaters since The Dark Knight. And I don't just mean in terms of Batman movies, I mean in terms of movies. Like, the, the way that it is just a heavy, much more than two hours of pushing you and pushing you through different, like, layers of intensity following a villain and still keeps you on your toes for the whole time. It, it, the, it there aren't a lot of movies that can have that effect, and this is one of them, and I feel like that is very, very impressive. But I think this movie goes places that Nolan wouldn't go, and I think that is awesome. You know, like if if Christopher Nolan did The Dark Knight Rises where he's like, OK, I've plumbed the depths of Batman and now I'm going to turn it into a question of what he represents to the world and turn it into more of like a traditional superhero fair. This movie is like I'm going to plumb the depths of Batman and the depths are going to be a whole lot darker and grittier and I'm going to just keep digging further and further yeah. and make the audience sit through it. Um, Two amazing results. I think turning Batman into a detective is great. I think the Riddler as a kind of Zodiac killer character is goddamn inspired. And <laughs> maybe the comics this is based on did that already. I don't know what is new to this movie and what is a part of the lore. But I loved it. I, I thought that was just like incredibly clever. It instantly puts you in this dark David fincher type world as you follow what is this guy going to do? I also love that it it is an origin story for Batman, even though it isn't about how he puts on the cape and, you know, the killing of his parents and all that stuff. It's an origin story for how this fucked-up vigilante becomes a hero. And I love that it, it, it does what Zack Snyder wanted to do with Batman v Superman, where it paints him as kind of the, like... The not-quite-hero at first, the guy who is, like, so hell-bent on vengeance that he might miss the forest for the trees, but it does it in a way that, by making it a kind of, like, noir procedural that puts him at the middle, it makes you, like, go on a journey with him through the seedy underbelly of gotham and arrive at a like slightly more hopeful place in the end i just i loved it. i love that this movie could keep my attention for three hours and make me wish it were an hour longer I, yeah. I feel like that is like the highest praise i could give it and i love that even though i have plenty of nitpicks if i want to focus on them about the movie i think like There are exposition dumps in the middle of this movie that do not need to exist. There are lengthy conversations between pairs of people that explain stuff that if you cut like 80% of it, the movie would work great and probably be better. Um, The clues that Batman pieces together are mostly obvious. And the only reason I don't care about that is the clues are not the point at all. The point is all this like... CD gotham in the rain with you know late night clubs within clubs and corrupt cops and drug dealers this is the closest i felt to playing the max payne video game in 20 years <laughs> was watching this movie um and I was just hooked on it. I think Robert Pattinson is great. Uh, I think Paul Dano does a great job as the Riddler. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, I think, is an awesome Catwoman. And pairing this like right after Kimmy was also kind of a a fun uh, fun experience. Yeah. Um, I think like Colin Farrell is unrecognizable as Penguin, but he's so goddamn good as that. <laughs> the whole the I, version of me that watched The Sopranos like twice in the last two years was so into all of the like. <laughs> the corrupt criminal element of this world carmine falcone john torturo um jeffrey wright as gordon is such a kind of like effortless twist on the character and he makes it work that the movie is just so clever about how it weaves in modern day social feelings about the police about eating the rich about like the nature of power and who should wield violence and what should we glorify and what shouldn't we. I think it is so clever about how it does that in a way that still makes it ugly. It doesn't make it a kind of like polished 2022, flawless, I am going to present the perfect smooth hero. It just is like, I understand all the things that you are thinking about right now and I am going to leverage that to make a very, very interesting, gritty superhero movie that isn't as dour and self-serious as Zack Snyder is when he tries to do it. But it also isn't like self-deprecating the way like Joss Whedon is with his character. Like it, it is just right there in the middle in a way that I think is great. So, yeah, I, I thought this movie, even if it didn't need a third of the movie, I just loved the world so much. I don't care. I would have watched it all day.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's funny that like, you know, before we even sat down to watch this, it, the one thing that like most people know or should know going in is this is basically a three hour movie um, mm-hmm. with with the trailers and all the opening bullshit that you get at a theater. It's like three hours, 11 minutes or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's something that like, you know, you're in for the long haul. And never once did I feel like this film was running long. In fact, there was a scene in a diner where i was like dear god don't let this movie be over right now and i was like thank right. god there's like 20 more minutes <laughs> where it was just like that was like there's no way they're just gonna leave us right here this is insane um <laughs> so it was like i i wanted more from this film i think from the go i was just completely drawn in and in love with what i was watching you know over the course of you know several different um films in the you know DC world uh, you know, they have talked about heroes as symbols and what that symbol stands for and Cities that need that symbol to exist whether or not the hero Or uh, is still in the city or still a thing right in 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 christopher nolan's batman films. There's there's times when uh, Batman has disappeared But the city needed him and somebody has to convince him to come back and be that that hero again um and I think that like in that talk of what the symbol is, the symbol has always been for the people of the city. Mm-hmm. Like like th- this symbol exists as hope for the citizens of Gotham to be a, a a protector that will help them. When this film starts, that symbol is not of hope for the people. It is of fear for the criminals. And this is the first time, and maybe I'm just forgetting it, but this is the first time I really, really felt the sense of bad guys being scared of the dark knight um of 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 any shadows because there could always be the batman lurking in that space like just all the scenes of of somebody doing something bad um you know assaulting somebody stealing something from a place and then looking into the shadow and not knowing if batman was going to come from that shadow and attack them and then just not really policing themselves but just running in fear cowering of what's going to be there the Batman that we are introduced to this, we, we were introduced to Batman two years after he has become Batman. Um, and he is just a wholly broken person. Like in the trailer, in the film, he, he doesn't even refer to himself as the Batman. He says, I am vengeance. And that yep. is literally what he is. He has a line in this film where he's talking about um, a moment in his life where he has felt fear unlike anything he's ever felt before. And his entire purpose is to never feel that feeling again. But that's not really his purpose. His purpose is to make others who make others feel that way, feel that way themselves, right? Like his whole thing, he is, he embodies this force that is like the slasher in a movie where he just comes, comes at you, not freakishly fast, or he's not like this ninja who's gonna like pop out of the shadows and be like, get everybody. He just comes at you And just unleashes all hell on anybody who is doing wrong. And it's almost like in that moment, he is building himself into a fugue state of sorts. And then he's just going to kick the shit out of all evildoers and then calm down. It's like he can't even attack them until he has worked himself into that frenzy. And there's something deeply troubling and intriguing about that version of Batman as being this just... Pure force of vengeance, and really not—he's not doing good in the word, world. He is putting forth more hurt and pain. He's just directing it. He's, he's like a weird, perverse version of Dexter, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. And, and like, obviously, over the course of this film, he has to learn whether or not that is the best use of the thing that he is trying to be. Um, but I, I was just really impressed with just that whole opening of seeing these moments where Batman doesn't even have to be there in order to strike fear in the hearts of, of villains. Um, and, and I, I was just like really intrigued with that. Um, beyond that, like, I really liked like you, you talked about um, making Batman a detective and and from the from the lore of the character of Batman that is a thing definitely in the comics right mm-hmm. he is supposed to be the world's greatest detective um, but like we are used to at least most recently in like the Snyderverse, right it's like Batman is working with a team to like stop the god boxes or whatever <laughs> the mother boxes and it's like that kind of shit i'm not cared what i am what i am more interested in is and the reference back to spider-man is is him being the friendly neighborhood batman (laughs) who's just going around the city and helping out where somebody needs to be helped right like that was really really compelling and the fact that like everyone is scared of him even like the police are scared of him right like nobody knows if they can trust him but this one killer has started putting clues that directly call batman to participate in this and how he just exists as this force that like freaks the shit out of everybody as he slowly just walks through all these crime scenes like watching him just do the procedural part was really really intriguing Was I trying to solve every riddle as they came? I didn't really care because it was mostly like a either it was going to be a thing where they were going to take us on a wild goose chase to solve one riddle or it was going to be like... Uh, and as as somebody's finishing the end of the sentence, justice, justice is the answer to the riddle, <laughs> right? Like it's, he's he's immediately yeah. solving it. So I was like, I wasn't even putting brain power towards like trying to like be in on what the next riddle is going to mean. I was just watching this character of like, shit, another gnarly murder has happened. What does this mean? And watching them go. Um, I I just really really enjoyed. Being in this version of Gotham um, just this rain-soaked dark gritty world where like everything was kind of like is anybody happy in this world? (laughs) Um, I I just thought it was an incredible uh, World to exhibit for three hours and also the fucking action is amazing (laughs) Yeah, it's so good and my one of my favorite things about this which I'm sure everybody's commenting on um, is just the the Batmobile is so fucking badass.
1: Oh yeah. So <laughs> cool. What
0: I what I love too is the build-up to it, right? This isn't like a is it isn't it like it isn't like in the Dark Knight um or, or the Nolanverse films where it's like Batman is looking at plans, talking about military contracts, and then you get introduced to this like armored gnarly thing. It's just All the scenes in the the Bat Lair train station thing that he has, you just see the car lit from behind, covered in a shroud, and you see the engine block on a separate thing and it's like he's never working on it. You don't see it. It's just a thing that you know exists. It's like Chekhov's Batmobile, just waiting to fucking show up. And then just when that engine starts up, and that fucking like thing is just heating up in the back, and I was like, oh my god! Like I, I am not a car person, which is a weird thing to say for two people who work for an automotive company, but yep. like just the fucking sound of the engine revving up and like the the fucking whatever the the other thing is that's like causing that high-pitched whine. I was just like, oh my God, I love being in a theater. I love whatever's about to happen. Just fucking
1: <laughs> rev that shit. This is so great. <laughs> yep. I completely agree. I think wh- what is interesting is I loved the action in this movie and when I was thinking through it, I had trouble enumerating all the action scenes because there's so much like space between the action in this movie. And the, the tone of just building this world of menace that he wades in is so heavy that it doesn't need the kind of constant big fights there. This isn't one of those movies that have like, it, it not only doesn't have constant action sequences, it also doesn't have like one giant, Thirty minute thing in the middle of the movie, or yeah. whatever either like I think the the Batmobile scene is the closest you get to that, but in terms of the plot of the movie that 's just like one of many of the things that they go through, and some of the things they go through have no fighting at all it i, I don't know it 's just such an interesting blend but i when I think about this compared to the Joker, because both are like extremely heavy worlds that are being built that suck you into this like dark intensity that you can't look away from at least you know that was how i felt i know other people felt differently about the joker but joker is like 95 percent joaquin phoenix right it is a character study of one person and the whole time you are thinking what am i watching who is this guy what is he going to do next and that is the thing you can't look away from what is amazing to me about this movie is that the load balancing is just perfect. Like it isn't only Batman. It isn't only the Riddler. It isn't only Penguin. It isn't only Catwoman. But the, the universe is so good at that intensity. You could lose a piece and it would still be incredibly captivating. Yeah. And I, I don't really know how that cocktail works. Like you, the movie is centered around the Riddler doing his kind of, you know, Seven or Zodiac or whatever style series of clues. And th- and that is amazing. But there are huge stretches of the movie where he isn't doing jack shit. Like, it has nothing to do with him anymore. Yeah. And the movie still works great because it isn't like the Dark Knight where the Joker is the threat. Like, the threat is the whole corrupt world and Bruce not knowing his place in that world. And it... It's just a very intricately designed movie that I'm very, very impressed by how evenly it manages to spread the heaviness. So it never feels like dour to the point that you want it to be over. It is like just heavy enough to keep your heart racing. Um, I think my favorite scene, if I had to pick one and we can in spoilers, maybe talk more about actual parts of the movie. um, But there is a scene that happens at a public gathering, maybe like an hour into the movie that i think that would give any dark twist in a nolan batman movie a run for its money in terms of just how like it feels to me like the equivalent of the bank heist at the beginning of the dark Knight, where it's like here is how menacing broad daylight can be in a world where you can't trust other people and i I don't know, we we can talk about it in in spoilers, but I just think that
0: is it a location where people dress in a very specific way? Not, it's...
1: Um, Yes, yeah, yeah, people dress in a very specific way, but I don't mean the end of the movie where a thing happens that has happened in quite a few movies lately. Um, There's just something about the, like, just how haunting and heavy and how, like, heart palpitating that scene is, even as it is extended and extended and extended and it isn't like here is heavy action taking place people aren't punching each other it isn't shrouded in fire or night or whatever it's just like the the world is so grimy that it i don't know it just had me that was when i knew the movie had me and i was like you can take me wherever you want <laughs> i am i'm in the palm of your hand now yeah. like you know you know what to do with me <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think it's it's
0: super interesting and it's um I also like to, like like related to the scene you're talking about is Peter Sarsgaard's character. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of showing that all of the corrupt people are not comedically evil and corrupt in that way. Like his character is very much in over his head, has to participate in this game, but like from the moment you start interacting with him, he's uh he's sort of not he he's not hugely actively evil. He is just somebody who was trapped in the system and had to participate in a way, knows information, and is, you know, not not trying to just get ahead in the world. He's sort of just victim as well. But he is uh well, victim in multiple ways.
1: (laughs) Right. I guess. Yeah, I mean he's he's a victim to a corrupt system and he participates in the corruption. I think like one thing that I think is very clever about the movie is you talked about Batman being this like perverse version of Dexter, like this, this character who is a symbol of fear for other criminals. And it isn't clear at all that what he is doing is good. It isn't necessarily benefiting the world at all. And what's interesting is This is a movie that deals with police corruption and police violence. And, like, you know, there are moments where Batman is threatened by the police in a way that is very much like, shit, you need to get out of here. Like, we cannot (laughs) trust our law enforcement to treat you with care. Um, And it's interesting because Batman is the police at the beginning. Like, he is the heavily armed guy who's going to come and take an already violent situation and meet it with double the violence. And yeah. the um the things that make Batman ugly and terrifying at the beginning of the movie are the same things that make the Gotham police force ugly and terrifying. And it is interesting that they are still on opposite sides at the beginning of the movie. Because <laughs> yeah. I think thematically they are both... Batman begins as, like, the Punisher, right? He begins as the character that, like, the, the terrible, like, alt-right... People today would worship and would have like a you know have a youtube channel devoted to like filming him in little snippets and talking about what a badass he is and i I don't know i just think that is one of the things this movie does so interestingly is it like it steers into the valid criticism of these like dark crime fighting people and it tilts you like toward a hopeful outcome, but it doesn't sugarcoat just how heavy and shitty it all can be. And I I don't know, I was really impressed with that. I will say, in spoilers, there are two moments where the f- shadowing of real-world events felt a little too direct to me. Yeah. I no longer knew how comfortable I was with the imagery they were using, uh, but we'll get there in in a spoiler section. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, yeah. Any, any more non-spoiler things that you want to... Talk about before we head down
1: that path so one thing that I think is interesting about this movie is Batman is the protagonist, but it's hard to say he's a hero, like the story of the movie is him failing over and over <laughs> and over again, <laughs> um, which is normal like that is a normal kind of twisty procedural thing to happen is it It is a person following a villain following a world that is revealing more of its evil to him and him being basically powerless to prevent any of it yeah and i it's just interesting in a superhero movie how there you don't get many moments of like aha he got him good job batman like every victory is like a part of losing to the riddler's plan for most of the movie um and i i i like that it was just another thing that i think set this movie apart
0: I mean, part part of the, the point of this story is that you can't achieve bettering the world with fists. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, it's just not going to happen. You can't you yeah. can't do that. Yes, you can beat the shit out of criminals, um, but all you're doing is beating the shit out of criminals. You're not actually affecting any
1: meaningful change in the world. Um, so, so, yeah. It, it's, so, one thing that you'll have to talk with me about in spoilers is that what point in the movie do you think batman is bettering the world because i think what you just said there are like there's one key moment that it could be but then literally speaking i think the previous 30 minutes he's been bettering the world and I, I don't, well, I, we can talk about it, it yeah, it's an interesting w- without
0: image. without getting into spoilers i think that the point of this movie is that he will try to do better moving forward I don't think mm-hmm. there's any point in this film where he is actively bettering the world. I think he has simply learned by the end of this film that what he has been doing is is not the way. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of like where we're at. And it might take yep. it might take him witnessing other acts of vigilantism to change that in him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's probably about time that we get ready to transition into spoilers. So for now, Steven Miller, why don't we go ahead and get to verdicts? Um, if you were going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it?
1: Must-see. I think this is the darkest Batman movie to date, as far as I'm concerned, but that doesn't make it the heaviest or most unpleasant. It 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 all comes down to load balancing like it finds a way to like distribute all the like intensity in a way that just goes down real easy (laughs) um (laughs) i think this is a phenomenal theatrical experience like because you can just feel the whole audience being in the clutch of whatever this movie is doing in a way that i honestly can't remember feeling since the dark knight premiere like just the feeling that the whole audience is like being pulled at the same time by the story yeah um so I think it is super impressive. Love Pattinson's take on Batman. Um, yeah, I think it's great. I want to see like Batman and Robin and Batman Forever and all the other Batmans after this <laughs> with this <laughs> cast of characters because I think it is going to kick ass. Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah. This is going to be a must see for me. I, I I thought it was phenomenal. I really really loved it. I I do think it is. It has that heaviness. The reason why it feels like in aggregate it isn't is because you have three hours to divide amongst all the heaviness like i right. I really think that this this tortured version of Batman, the more you actually think and get into his head, um the darker it really feels that this character is like i I really think that in the moment when he hurts somebody, he is reliving his past trauma in that exact moment and he is purposely feeding into that and really building himself it's like he is you know the uh the hulk going i'm always angry (laughs) like and just like turning into that monster in that moment hulk smashing and then like bringing himself back down and then going back to his emo life of sitting in his tower um or his basement and just kind of like hiding away from the world so i it's like I was really captivated by just this, this, this take on on who this character is.
1: Now, I guess one question is: in future movies, when he is a hero without an asterisk, do you think that take will translate?
0: Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, we'll we'll, we'll see in the next movie when it's ninety minutes and he's just a hero. <laughs> yep um yeah yeah it, it, it's 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 hard to tell we also you know who knows if they'll if they'll actually in earnest continue it in the same way or if it'll be a different thing where he exists as part of this world but it's following the joker or someone
1: <laughs> mm, right
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah so that is it for the non-spoiler segment of this review for anybody who's not going to stick around with us steven miller if people want to find his to week where can they do that
1: uh people can find me at twitter dot com slash s david miller or s dot com
0: People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get in hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will be a track selected from artist.io and uh, yeah that track is playing right now that's going to fade up after a few short moments that music's going to fade out again and we're going to be in full-blown spoilers so watch out for the shadows because in any shadow there could just be a spoiler just waiting there to uh to rain down vengeance upon you. All right we are back this is spoiler territory it's sort of the bat cave of the spoiler warning podcast where we gather up uh, all of our intel and talk about full-blown spoilers for the film that we just reviewed of course we're talking about the batman um steven do you want to start you had one main topic to hit first do you want to start there
1: yeah so the the main thing i wanted to get to is the the real life parallels in terms of violence that this movie points to, and there are two, in particular, um, the the first one that left a strange taste in my mouth, and I still don't know exactly how I feel about it is the opening of this movie. In the opening of the movie, there is a gang of very Joker movie esque, you know, bad guys on the subway. And one man who is clearly the targeted victim of some hazing ritual that they have decided that a a you know a gang member needs to do in order to be initiated. Yeah. And that man is an older Asian man. And that, as far as I know, it is the only Asian character in the movie. And at least to me, in that moment, it felt very. Explicit that it was dwelling on the kind of real anti-Asian violence that has been happening where there are like random acts of violence against Asian people, especially in New York City. Yeah. And i I am not saying a movie can or can't traffic in that kind of imagery, but I, in that moment, had a little red alert go up of like, how is it going to handle this? Because this is a very, very, very loaded concept that the movie is doing. Yeah. Um It didn't ultimately linger that much for me, maybe because the moment Batman appears, he doesn't just save the day and then we laugh and it ends. Like he himself becomes a kind of symbol of heavy violence and vengeance that also terrifies the man. And so it, I, I don't know how to explain it, but the fact that it doesn't just make that real-world darkness be like, a, but look at the hero, isn't he great? And instead makes it be like, look, the whole world is shitty, including the hero. Yeah. It, it, it made it linger less. Like, I, honestly, I didn't remember my reservation until someone brought it up, like, a day later on the internet. Um, yeah. But that was just one where I felt like, M- what are you doing, movie? This is so... F- fresh in everyone's minds, and maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know when the movie was filmed, but it... I don't know, that that just, like, was a sour note for the movie to open on for me. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, which we actually had a listener write in and also reference, is the at the end of the movie, it has been revealed that the Riddler has a QAnon-type following um, who is tracking his every move, it, or, yeah, is tracking his every move while he, like, torments Gotham, and then they all plan a kind of mass shooting event that they will participate in. And there's no one real-world thing that that felt a lot like. Well, it's... But the idea of...
0: it It's not just that they're planning a, a massive... It, it is the opposition candidate for mayor has won the mm-hmm. election... And this is her should be inaugural speech where right. she is taking the power away from the previous candidate. And it is these people who have made their way to with the sole purpose of de like not allowing her to take power. Right. And yeah. very you know.
1: January sexy in, uh, in, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in its imagery. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that, I, again. I wasn't left thinking like, are you allowed to do this? But I definitely squirmed a little bit just because the movie is so good at being heavy and commenting on real world social things without needing those literal parallels. When it does go literal, I'm kind of like, you you didn't even need that literal. Like we got it. We got it as a metaphor. You know, we didn't need it to literally happen. Yeah. Um, so that that was just kind of how I felt in both of those moments. Like, compare that to Bruce Wayne realizing or believing he has realized that Thomas Wayne was in cahoots with the mob and paid to have a reporter killed. You know, that has so much to say about our relationship to billionaires today and how we think about power and the sacrifices that like, the moral compromises that come with power and are kind of changing relationship to Like, that was very 2022, even though it wasn't literally about anything at all that has happened in the last year, um, because the movie is just, like, trafficking in thoughts that we have all had. And when it traffics in actual imagery we've all seen, it feels a little, like, unnecessary to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think... I think it feels like it started as a commentary about vigilanteism in more generally, um, and it was it was too close to reality to not steer into it, right? Like mm-hmm. it would have been one thing if it just like if you're making something that has direct parallels to actual events that transpired and you're not directly homaging it, it'll still feel like you're homaging it. So why not use it as a way to say like, this is the danger of this situation is that stuff like Mm -hmm. this can transpire. And I think that like, it's sort of, to me, it felt, it felt more, it it felt like it was a cautionary tale rather than just evoking the the imagery, right? Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like, uh it's not like just you know showing the twin towers falling as a short form version of like like mass oh, like another
1: Robert pattinson movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but you, you know what i mean though yeah <laughs> um so so for me it was definitely charged but it, it was it was charged in the sense that i was like yeah this is fucking this is this is what happens because that's that's the interesting <laughs> thing is um and, you know we can we can we can get in i don't know is this, is this the perfect time to get into the listener's email
1: yeah yeah let's do <clears> it
0: <throat> um
1: also because i'm pouring a beer all
0: <laughs> <laughs> right while you do that i'll take a look at this email um so ryan from san Diego wrote in and uh, was kind of comparing some things from the joker and the batman and then talked about what the riddler's actual plan was by the end of the film so I'm not going to read the whole thing we're just gonna hit a few things here In both the Joker and the Batman, the movie focuses on motivating a group of internet wackos to cause havoc and kill civilians. Over the course of the film, the Riddler suddenly switches his plan to killing civilians. So the entire movie was about exposing the truth and killing corrupt people. Then it was cause a mass flood and kill tons of people. Why was the change in what the Riddler was doing? So this is sort of the subject matter that we're hitting right now. And thanks obviously for that email, Ryan. Um, But for me, I think that this is a cautionary tale About the dangers of where vigilantism goes and where you can start out um, as being somebody who sees a problem and tries to fix that and how that can build to being entirely misguided right so the Riddler's massive plan was to publicly take out the top leaders of the government in Gotham and uh, show the world all of their corruption. But by the end, I don't think his plan actually changed. He thinks Gotham itself is literally corrupt through and through. And the only way to destroy the corruption is to literally rebuild Gotham from the ground up. And he is trying to flood the entire city to kind of literally clear out everything and allow people to start anew and build a new society that is not beholden to the entire system that has built everything up until that moment. And I think that right. th- there is one way you could read it where he had his plan and then the other vigilantes that were following him kind of took it one step too far and then switched to trying to assassinate the the new candidate for mayor, but I think that obviously he was trying to literally destroy the whole city, so I think that they were still in cahoots and still working on the same plan and it was really just burn it all down and then we can start from scratch with those of us that survive what is coming. And I think that it's, yeah, it's, it really just shows that like, yeah, things seem like insanity when it's the people who are opposed to your point of view, right? Um, But what would it take for your point of view to cause you to do something insane? if you were trying to just fix a wrong that was in the world and and i i don't know there's there's something interesting yeah, there yeah well,
1: well so to me uh, what is still interesting and i'm i'm unfortunately not saying it isn't realistic uh, <laughs> but i still the when i think about real life things like qanon or something the theory is you know rooted as usual in truth that there's like heavy corruption <laughs> happening in you know in the government and everywhere else in our systems. And so the the QAnon idea is that like someone behind the scenes, some Batman type figure, if you will, is like undoing the corruption, is righting the wrongs, is going to like call bring out into the light all the people who are doing wrongdoing and will destroy the deep state and give it back to the people. Um, the Riddler's followers when they plan on flooding Gotham and starting anew do they think they are a part of the rot like why should they not be among the people drowning because they're they're what is them versus others in their mind
0: they're like the red pill people who see the reality of how corrupt the world is um mm-hmm. so they are they are the the people passing the like they they are the cleansing force that will rid the city of the corruption which is everybody um so mm-hmm. so so for me what's really interesting about comparing the batman and the joker uh the films and the specific characters is look at the comparison of the riddler and batman um yeah the the whole reason the riddler is motivated to start acting is he is motivated by seeing batman and his presence in the world and how batman is a force for good and the riddler is so corrupted in his support for the batman that he thinks they are working together all the reason for all the clues is to direct the vengeance that is the batman to his targets to mm-hmm. to help like he like the whole big reveal later on which we we also have to talk to because it was it was a weird fake twist that turns into a separate twist that works really yep. well for the Riddler, not so well for the Batman arc, um, and we 'll get to that in a moment, but like you're, you're you're watching a character who the Riddler and the Batman are the same. They are mm. quite literally the same person um, they have the same background as the Joker in the Joker film where it 's a person who was wronged who is taking it upon themselves to channel what has happened to them into them taking action upon other people and it just happens to be that in the joker the joker is the bad guy um he is doing things that we all agree are bad and the batman is theoretically doing something that we all agree um is is good in that he is taking out bad guys but like when you see his presence he is just a sheer like he is vengeance and that is it he is not uh like um He's not a scalpel cutting out a bad tumor. He is just fucking, there's a tumor in the arm, rip the arm off. (laughs) Yeah. And he is the quote hero of our story, but he is just a much, just as much a, scourge on the city, I think, as the Riddler is, as the Joker is in his film. Um, it's just that he theoretically has the name of justice behind him. Um, at least yeah. he, is, he is shouting it. And there, there's, there's not a lot different in the motivation behind what Batman is doing and what the Riddler is doing. The right. the only difference is the result and how we see the person taking the action. So it's just yeah. I, I think there's an interesting thought experiment to compare these two these two characters in these two films and say like, at what point do we all just become the bad guy, um, mm-hmm. and not in the Christopher Nolan live long enough to <laughs> become the villain or whatever. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, but but in the sense of like how far can you go in the act of good before you are doing bad? And that's, I think, a lesson that the Batman has to learn in this film, that he shouldn't be focusing his attention on hurting bad people, but helping good people. And it's literally not until he's, you know, submerged in water (laughs) with the rumbles of of Gotham around him that he's realizing that like, oh, maybe I can outstretch a hand instead of punch a fist.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I I definitely think to our earlier, you know, conversation about when does he finally turn into becoming the hero, then I definitely think it is symbolically that moment, right, where he is like shining a light. He's reaching out his hand. He is just helping people who need help. Yeah. But this is where it's always weird to watch a superhero movie because none of that would have been possible if he hadn't punched out all the baddies on the <laughs> roof a second ago, you know? And so there, there's always this tug of war between the message that says like, helping others is the only real thing and violence begets gets more violence. And then the plot machinations that force violence to be the only way to make it safe again. And I, you could say he's taking himself out of a hole, right? Like, he helped make this mess and so now he's yep. punching his way out of it he's, and maybe he's quite quite right, literally inevitable. digging
0: himself out of a hole at the end
1: yep <laughs> that's true
0: also Stephen, um i i am not i'm not a physics major um but uh, i'm also not a climber mm-hmm. but if i am suspended from a cabling of some sort <laughs> Sure, and at the bottom of the cabling is something I want not connected to the cabling, uh, and I have a battering or whatever. Where on the rope, <laughs> where on the cable should I cut the cable?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have no good answer for why uh, why you might cut where this particular Batman chose to cut.
0: <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love slow motion somebody falling away from the ca- ca- the camera to what could potentially be their death of some sort right yep. like that that always that shot always looks nice um and always looks suspenseful uh but I was just come I was just like come on bro <laughs> like
1: yeah um, yeah definitely not his uh his wisest moment yeah so one thing with all this um the twists and turns of the narrative that batman is uncovering there I loved, by the way, that this movie wound up being so much about the Waynes and the Arkhams. And I'm not a comic book reader, so I literally didn't even know that Arkham was his mother's maiden name. Like I I didn't know where Arkham Asylum came Why are from. you saying that um, name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I loved all of the act of discovery. Again, it felt extremely it, it was just dark in the perfect way for me. Um, when I said that there are moments of exposition... Exposition... <laughs> that that felt unnecessary. Uh, moments where the conversations seemed like they didn't really need to happen, but they happened anyway. It really has to do with the... The movie does this thing where it plants the idea from the Riddler that Thomas Wayne was a bad man and he got what was coming to him. And then Bruce speaks or i guess as batman no as bruce he speaks <laughs> to carmine falcon about what happened with his dad and carmine talks for much longer than i would expect a character in this movie to talk to tell the exact story of what his dad did and then he has a conversation with alfred where alfred talks for way longer than anyone else in the movie about how your father was actually a good man and that was the thing he regretted most in his life and I wished I could have told you sooner and Carmine is really playing all this up and holding it over him. And if anything to me did a disservice to what the movie was trying to do, it was that like little pivot back and forth. I feel like the idea that Thomas was not wholly evil but was also not wholly pure is there in the Riddler's allegation, and it could be there in Batman learning hints of terrible things that happened. But having a character like weep while he describes what a wonderful man Thomas was after it, to me, it felt like it didn't fit in this movie. And I was a little bit cringing at just how far it was going. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just felt like everything else in this movie was so good at going unsaid and letting you just feel like a little uneasy about characters and their histories and everything. And that just felt like, no, but hey, audience, you should still feel bad about the guy who died. Like, it felt like less brave than the rest of the movie to me. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, or maybe right before, him and Selena are having a long conversation where she reveals that Carmine is her father. And that also just felt like so much exposition by way of having a character give a monologue it just didn't feel it felt like the movie was better than those scenes to me
0: yeah i mean honestly it was just there to establish that uh uh you know catwoman batman daddy issues orphan wants to burn down the city that's yep (laughs) that's. (laughs) it's just to juxtapose those two positions um but but in all seriousness um i think i'm trying to think I guess maybe those scenes didn't bother me because I was too bothered by the fact that like Alfred doesn't fix the problem. Yes. Uh Thomas Wayne didn't put a hit out on the reporter, but he asked yeah. for the involvement in a person who is a criminal like mastermind. Yeah, he asked
1: for a murderer to make a person go yeah. away. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like it's like if I if I meet a man on a train who tells me a story about killing another man's wife and then i go like huh can you take care of my wife too like i can't argue that like well yeah when i said take care of i didn't say kill right like
1: <laughs> I, I hope you're literally referencing the alfred hitchcock movie otherwise it is a very interesting coincidence that you picked a train
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah no i'm, I'm trying to okay. <laughs> just making sure I was I mean, like, I, I,
1: did Chris just, like, write the plot of <laughs> Strangers on a Train? That, that's the point, is I'm trying to say that, like, if you... Yeah, yeah. If, like, you can't... You're still complicit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like you, you... And they were strangers. They didn't even know that that guy yeah, was yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, this is, like, people you know on a train. <laughs> this is bad yeah. guys on a train. It this is, be, like, like, I met a hitman on the train.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if I'm, I'm, if I'm in, like you know, uh, another Marvel property. And I asked the Kingpin to help me with, uh, my, my competitors in my, uh, business of whatever, selling sofas or something like clearly if I ask like, a mob boss to help me with a competitor, there's only one way they know how to do that. I have to know that it's not like they're just gonna like frame them for tax evasion or something, which is still wrong, right? Like, Like Mm -hmm. like it it just it it doesn't seem like there's a it, it, it seems like what he did still his actions directly led to he yeah sure he made a mistake but he made a stupid decision where he compromised his morals and that led to both the death of this reporter and his own death. Uh, because yeah. after he made the mistake and tried to fix it, uh, he got killed by the guy he was trying to fix the mistake from. So it, it, it it's, to me, it doesn't fix the, like Bruce can still have the exact same feelings about found, finding out his father did what he did because his father still caused directly the death of, of the person. He just didn't do it with his own hands, which is a distinction, you know, without a difference or whatever. Like, it it, it just... Right.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think maybe that's why the Alfred scene rubbed me the wrong way, is, like, it was trying to bend the arc of the story back a little bit or be another grand revelation, but it didn't really reveal anything. And because Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne is so inward, I couldn't even feel after that, is he still heavily disappointed in his father or am i supposed to believe that he feels like alfred's explanation is like exculpatory which feels tone deaf if true because like you pointed out it definitely does not absolve thomas wayne of effectively murdering a person yeah i
0: i I think i think the maybe the the problem is that the point of those scenes are not for Bruce Wayne, they are for Alfred, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, there is this whole side... It's not really a side story, but it's like all these interactions that uh bruce has with alfred with like here use my cufflink links oh like why do your cufflinks say wayne is like well your father gave like it is all about his loyalty to the family and him being sort of like the father figure for bruce when his actual father passed away and sort of like raising him up to be this better person it, it's it's his way to play into the narrative of like yeah i kept the secret but it's because i was protecting you from the mistakes of your father and now this is all coming to, to head but it felt less about like don't worry, Bruce, you don't have to... And it it was more like a redemptive arc for him having sacrificed so much to be a part of this family. I I don't know. Mm. It's just a thought. Yeah.
1: Because I think, like, the story of Thomas Wayne and how Bruce should feel about him is interesting, even with the literal belief that he, like, partnered with Carmine and semi-knowingly had this reporter killed. Like we again in our history have that like the Kennedy's like almost definitely worked with the mob to get themselves elected. And like politicians have done deals with unsavory figures because it helped them get ahead. And like we have to reckon with like big candidates who like are seen as progressive forces. Like what did they sacrifice to get the power that they had? And all all that is definitely there in like, Again, in twenty twenty two, political thought about what leaders you praise and what leaders you don't, and I feel like I wish the movie had like just stood by its convictions longer and just let us have to live with the idea that his dad was indirectly a murderer and not have a moment of redemptive. Even though, as you said, maybe the redemptive moment is for Alfred, and Alfred is supposed to be kind of out of touch and blinded by his loyalty. Uh, it just like the movie doesn't play the scene that way. The movie plays the scene as like, Carmine lied to me, and now for the rest of the movie, Carmine is going to be like the ultimate baddie that we have to get yeah. rid of.
0: Well, not the.
1: Yeah, not the ultimate, the penultimate, I yeah, guess.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, I was I was gonna say not not the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> once you bring him into the light, <laughs> he exits the movie.
1: <laughs> so, are we meant to believe that until? Batman is there. Like, what entrance does Carmine Falcone use to get into that bar? <laughs> normally, yeah,
0: I, I think the idea, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think it was. It's a weird three-dimensional chess thing that the Riddler's playing. <laughs> To get like, yeah. like he could have assassinated a person, but I guess you need to assassinate him within the whole view of the people who are theoretically corrupted under him so that you can see it. Because if he was just killed off, like in a room in the middle of the club and everybody's like, well, I guess he's dead now. It's different than like him being marched out in handcuffs to represent the justice side of, of, of bringing him to justice. And then the vengeful side is taken um, by the other character who who just yeah. wants to see the world burn. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but so so that's getting, we're starting to get close to the thing that I really, really want to talk about, which is the one thing that kind of rubbed me a little bit wrong about this film. I understand it from the standpoint of what it means for the Riddler's character. I don't understand it as much for the Batman. And that is this idea that for a hot 30 seconds we believe that the riddler is doing this because he knows who bruce wayne is and we're in danger of having the the masked justice be unmasked um and then twist he thinks they're best friends and they've been working together and and he really, really hates Bruce Wayne, but has no fucking clue that Bruce Wayne is Batman.
1: Um, yeah, really does not know how to read the room in that one moment. <laughs> yeah,
0: literally can't read that room. <laughs> All he had to do was put one hand over, <laughs> mm-hmm. over Batman's eyes. Uh, and he'd be like, Bru- Bruce? <laughs> Bruce, wait a second. <laughs> you look familiar to me. Um... <laughs> Just like uh that moment when Catwoman is like, I don't know who you are, but I can sure as hell guess you were born rich. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you have all the pieces you need. Name, yep. name the richest person you know. <laughs> Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> um but anyways, back to the back to this thing. Um I Hmm. So there are so okay, so here, here here's what weird weirds me out of the story is I thought there were many moments when I thought Bruce was just going to dox himself. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because, and he could in this world. It's not like, uh, it's not like with Spider-Man where Peter Parker has to go to high school and graduate and stuff like that. And if somebody reveals his identity, then Aunt May is in trouble. And like, you know, his girlfriend's in trouble and his best friend's in trouble. Batman yeah. has purposely isolated himself from the rest of the world he right. doesn't need an alter ego he can just be batman and sure maybe the government if they know bruce is gonna like seize his assets or something and now he won't be able to be as batman as he was before um but let's be honest it was 20 is 2022 he probably moved everything into crypto anyways um <laughs> but like yeah. in all seriousness though I thought there was going to be a world where he just took off his mask and was like, yo, this is me. Like, deal with it. And then he would just live at, like, Bruce Wayne would die and Batman would be Batman forever, right? Like, that that was kind of where I thought we were going. So this moment when, like, I, I kind of expected the way that scene was going to transpire is Riddler thought he was going to win by unmasking Batman and Batman would just take off his mask and be like... Fuck you. I don't even care anymore. I don't need this. Um, <laughs> or I don't need to remain secret. This is just who I am. I am I am vengeance. I am the Batman. Um, and instead, it's like Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. We almost got him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of like, yeah, it, huh? <laughs> what? I get as... As a movie, I liked that scene because it was toying with me and I enjoyed that. If I, I would need to watch it a second time to see all the things the Riddler does where he's taunting Batman in the context of sins of the father and the son and everything like that to really know if I believe the Riddler version of the whole plot yeah, uh, or if that is kind of like a twist for convenience at the end. Um I also definitely thought about, like, what does Batman have to lose? You know, he might as well reveal himself. Who is he protecting? Yeah. I do think, though, in the Gotham that we are presented with, Bruce Wayne could not be the hero, could not be vengeance. He represents too much that people hate. So I think, like... Unlike in the Nolan verse or pretty much any other Batman movie franchise that I can think of, being Bruce Wayne is a deep shame in this movie. <laughs> um, it, it is a thing that makes you ill-equipped to fight crime, ill-equipped to stop the corruption in the world because you are a part of the problem. And that made me think that him hiding would still make sense whereas in almost any other batman movie him being bruce wayne it would be the end of iron man right it would be like yeah i'm I'm iron man yeah. <laughs> you know what What are you gonna do i'm fucking rich i can do whatever i want um here i think he is and i again i don't know where the movie is going in follow-ups in this batman extended universe that they're going to make which i think is separate from the dceu but it is going to widen still um I don't know if he will continue to be conflicted, if Alfred's love of the Wayne family will be rewarded, or if he's going to kind of like, if Bruce will want nothing to do with the Wayne family name and his whole thing is like he is going to rebuild the thing that has been tarnished. Like I, I don't know. It really depends on what the movie does from here. But I can imagine in future movies, him being Bruce Wayne would not work out so well for him, depending on what they want to talk about. Yeah. So how do you feel about? I'm going to butcher his name pronunciation, Barry Keane. I, I think you don't pronounce the G. The uh, the Joker. The Joker in the end of this movie reveal guy. Um. um yeah.
0: Yeah, I. I don't know. Um, Like, he's cool and all if he's going to, like, steal your magical axe and your your armor and stuff like that. I don't know how I feel about him as the Joker to this Batman. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. He... I'm intrigued by the casting choice, but he feels too much like Paul Dano to me. He feels like he would be the reclusive person, not the like the incredibly singular, charismatic psychopath um, that the Joker has to be.
0: And and like, let's be honest, he showed up for 10 minutes to record that scene. Um, Maybe they did like two takes or whatever. Um, Obviously I can't, I can't really judge his performance based on this one line that he has to deliver, right? Um, in a movie, could be great, but it feels like he, unlike unlike Heath Ledger's Joker and unlike Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, it feels like he is doing an impression of a Joker. Mm-hmm. And those two people inhabited those Jokers. Um, uh, and uh, I... Until I see him inhabit the Joker, I can't really truly judge it because to me right now it feels like this moment of artifice, which might be completely unfounded when he gets to actually live as that person. But Mm. in the moment, it just feels like, yeah, yeah, some people call you a clown. We get it. You're the Joker. Um,
1: Yeah. Well, and also, I, I guess I'm made to believe that much like many people in this movie, he is not yet who he is going to be like like i assume this is kind of a character who's locked up in prison not because he was a masked villain named the joker with like an alter ego but because he's a criminal with this like the smiling condition or whatever like (laughs) like he has things that are the seed for what will become the joker but he hasn't yet turned into the joker that was kind of how i read the scene
0: gotcha yeah i just assumed because it was arkham prison that like He's already the Joker and he's a loony bin. Um, Mm. At the very least, who would call you a clown if you didn't dress like one, right?
1: Yeah. But does he say that he's been called a clown? I thought he was using the word clown talking to Paul Dano. I I think
0: he was saying something about people don't get you and some might call you a clown or something. But I I thought he was just talking like the royal we, like Mm -hmm. us people who are not it it felt very much the the problem is that this is a line written for the audience it's not a line that any of those characters would say to each other it's a line that is meant it's like the it's like i said earlier with Catwoman saying like whoever you were i bet you were born rich and then like like other other things like that where people reference a thing we all know about an individual in a way that is supposed to be like a wink and a nod to who the character is like the fact that mm-hmm. he's even called un un i forget what it is but it's like unknown unseen person in cell or something like that uh i don't remember what it's called um but it's like mm-hmm. it's just one that's like we know
1: we know who it is just fucking say it <laughs> yeah anyway my prediction is that this is pre joker this is like the gotcha. this is the criminal who will become the Joker, but it hasn't clicked for him yet.
0: So so there is one thing, and I am probably reading way too far into stuff that might never come about, but I almost feel like there's a secret backdoor reference to potential pre-Harley Quinn as well um hmm. and here is my justification for that obviously I'm just this is just wild speculation and it's mostly just an interesting thing that I thought was kind of fun um so th- this film is presented in a noir style right where it's like this detective character speaking to himself about how dark the city is and blah 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 right but we find out after like the opening monologue, voiceover stuff, that this is actually him journaling in his notebook. Um, that is something that he was told to do to help manage his anxieties and and fears and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So we find out that Paul Dano does the same thing, albeit way crazier, right? Like he also yeah. has his journal notebook that he's been writing in, probably prescribed by a psychologist. Um, mm-hmm. At some point in time, who could potentially be that both the Batman and the Riddler, both young people at one point in time who lost their parents in some sort of way, were both overseen potentially by a psychologist who could yep. one day become Harley Quinn. Um, it would just be interesting if that they were both prescribed to do this journaling exercise to manage their anxieties and stuff like
1: that. Um, yeah. So... Isn't the background of Scarecrow also supposed to be a psychologist? I do not remember. Hmm. I feel like it is.
0: I just thought it was a guy that got, you know, stuck in a cornfield on a stick and then had to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> had to wish for a brain. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, anyways, I just I just thought it was interesting, the parallel of the journaling. Um Yep. And just retroactively, I'm trying to work it into more character references. I like it.
1: No, I <laughs> I, I like the theory. I, I think it's cool. I don't. One problem I have with modern, like you know, post nine eleven, Batman's is after Joker. Honestly, though, I wouldn't have even thought Riddler was possible in these universes. It's like Joker, Penguin eh, as like a mob guy, and maybe Two Face, like. I can't think of a lot of villains that would fit in the gritty neo-realist version of Batman. (laughs) Like, Mr. Freeze, how does that fit in this universe, right? Yeah. Um, Like, they would have to do something really clever and interesting to make it work. Same with Harley. Like, I don't see a Harley Quinn fitting in this universe. I
0: I feel like the way you do a Mr. Freeze is closer to the way Nolan did Bane, which is Mm -hmm. a person... Something happens. They have this rare genetic condition, and they have to like wear a suit that keeps their bo- core body temperature below some certain amount, right? Where it's like it's literally they're in like a you know barometric chamber, and, <laughs> and you know, right. what I mean, something like that, right? That that just seems like the way the way you kind of do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just that that still seems like their core villainness, like their power wouldn't be from that anymore. Yeah, Or else it would no longer be a realist world. Like, Bane, his power was being really, really strong. So even though the things around him, you know, they managed to make more realistic, like, they didn't need to worry about his power. That was what it was. Yeah. Um. When I think about, like, what I understand, which is mostly informed by cartoons and Tim Burton of, like, Poison Ivy or Mr. Freeze or things like that, I just don't get how they would work in this world. But I don't know how—I wouldn't have known the Riddler until, you know, Matt Reeve showed it to me, so— but you yeah,
0: can do it. Even like Poison Ivy, right? She wouldn't have to have like make plants grow powers, right? She could just be a person who loves poison and like owns mm. a nursery where a bunch of the the plants she has are like whatever the the poison plant is from breaking bad, right? <laughs> yeah. Um I, I think there's a way that they could be like metaphorically the embodiment of the character without having to have any sort of like special special abilities or something like that. Maybe maybe yeah. Mr. Freeze just owns one of those nightclubs where everything is ice.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you're right.
0: And the penguin I slides Killer around Croc.
1: there. <laughs> I want them to find a way to do a realist take on Killer Croc. I think that would excite me. <laughs> I always like the action figure of him. Yeah. I want I want the realist take on Clayface. Oh, Yeah. That would be cool. Clayface was always
0: fun. Um, all right. Uh, well, that probably about does it for our spoiler segment for uh, the Batman. So obviously, Steven, you're you're up for future Batsman.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I still will probably not watch whatever TV series they inevitably release. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. One, one other thing
0: I want to say. Uh, didn't, production of this get shut down at some point because either robert pattinson or like his stunt double wiped out on a motorcycle at some point i, I could have sworn that i heard something about that back in the day and that was in the back of my head and as i watched this film with it just constantly pouring rain and people on motorcycles i was like yeah no shit
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Like like it looked cool as hell but i was like this is just dangerous as hell like why does everybody have to ride a motorcycle? <laughs>
1: well so did they i need to pay more attention was it actually raining all the time in this movie or did they add it in i guess we do really see his hair be drenched yeah yeah i think I think i think it's
0: probably not raining as hard as it looks like it is um but they're definitely pouring rain on sets as they as they do it right
1: yeah yeah i don't remember that particular narrative the one that i wanted to ask you about and this is more just a thought experiment for you is originally the plan was for this to be ben affleck movie and ben affleck was going to direct and co-write it in addition to starring in it and then he presumably it was his decision decided to back off the project knowing how the movie turned out but then also think about movies like the town and ben affleck's own kind of proclivity for like gritty, uncomfortable, crime-related movies. It's interesting to wonder what the Affleck-directed version of this would have been like.
0: Yeah, I... I, It's... It's such a different character than his... And and maybe that's what his point was, is, hey, I did this Mm -hmm. snyder vs Batman and that was not the Batman I wanted to do, so I wanted to do this other uh, one. But I think... I... I don't know, I... I, I really like this version of it, and I'm a fan of... Oh, yeah. You know, I, I've seen some people online being like, oh, emo Batman sucks. And to that I say, you suck, person who said yeah. that.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, emo Batman's great. <laughs> He's the best Batman. <laughs> like, I'm not saying imagine Ben Affleck starring in it. I'm interested in thinking about if he directed the movie, what it would be like if this were, you know... um gone baby gone batman if this were uh the town batman like i don't know i feel like there's an interesting way in which it actually fits in his his directorial choices would actually work well for this movie and maybe not change it that much but who knows i guess he usually stars in everything he makes so it would be hard to separate those two things yeah
0: cool any any last thoughts Nope. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we've got other episodes already in the can that we'll be releasing after this. We, we sort of held them off so that we could get this Batman review out. So hopefully you enjoyed it. <laughs> Bye-bye.